Hey, Woodside family, thanks for tuning in for another exciting edition of The Link and a special welcome to all of our guests and friends who are watching us today as well. Today we're going to have a really important conversation, not just because of the topic, but because of the guest. You know, as we look at all that's happening in our world, from pandemics to economic crises to social unrest, it's important that we ask big questions. And I also think it's important that we ask generational questions. So today I'm really excited to be joined by a panel of millennial leaders uh, from our church. They're going to help us to understand how this moment in our history as a nation and as the church is being viewed through millennial eyes. Before we get into the conversation, let me say a little bit about how important it is uh, that we pray for and continue to practice social distancing as much as possible as we can uh, continue to strive towards uh, the best practices for health and well-being. Please know that our panel here and myself, we've been practicing social distancing uh, every day, and we encourage you to continue towards that end. Uh, today, we're a little bit closer, but we're going to do our best to make sure that we model safe interaction. So joining me today is Taylor Shepard, who's uh, a director at our collective ministry. Taylor, thanks for your leadership, all that you do, and uh, appreciate you joining today. I'm excited to be here. All right. Ellie Hernandez is also joining us today as well. Ellie helps to serve in our collective ministries also. Thanks for joining me, sir. Pleasure to be here. All right. And Denzel Wright, who I affectionately call the Bishop of Pontiac, but officially <laughs> serves overseeing student ministries there and helping to provide leadership at our Pontiac campus. Uh, Denzel, thanks for joining. Thank you for having us, Pastor. Obviously, no one could have predicted, guys, 2020. Uh, I thought 2019 was a well of a year. 2020 has been kind of a bully for all of us, uh, but a lot has happened. And I want to hear your hearts because I have a ton of respect for our millennial uh, leaders within our church, as well as uh, the part of our church family that would identify as millennials. But first, Taylor, let's kind of distinguish between millennials and Gen Z, because I think they're often confused with one another. Millennials are old now. Uh, with families and marriage and all that stuff. But talk about the difference between the two. Well, it's an interesting thought to kind of try to draw a line in something yeah. that people have varying opinions about. But the best way that we can describe millennials versus uh, Gen Z um, is that millennials are like 1980 to 1999. Yes. That's when they're born. Um, and another big difference is a lot of millennials remember a time when cell phones weren't a thing and we had dial-up internet. And I mean, truthfully, just a lot of those things, a lot of the shows in the 80s we remember and things like that. Um, so that's a big difference. And, and that even that technology factor plays a big role in, in Gen Z right now. And the yes. way that they see the world is through their phone yeah. and through social media and through that because that's what they were raised with. That's what they grew up in. They grew up, you know, post Y2K. They grew up post um, the, the Twin Towers falling, all of those things. If you ask a millennial if they remember that, yeah. they're a millennial. A lot of them have kids now. They're getting married. They're buying houses. They're kind of entering that market, that space. Um, and Gen Z are the ones kind of going through high school, going through college, and a little bit past that. Yeah, I appreciate the distinction, dial-up internet, when <laughs> life was hard. Uh, but I appreciate that distinction because 
there will be a time where we'll have a separate conversation with Gen Z because I think they're at a different time in life going off to college now, mm -hmm. trying to navigate that. Uh, you guys are all married and uh, trying to establish families and mm -hmm. man, what a time to be able to do that. Uh, Ellie, I would love to kind of hear your perspective on how you've been navigating scripture in these times and just kind of applying that to your life. I mean, it's already tough enough to do that, yeah. let alone with the pandemic and all of the apocalyptic stuff that's happening now. So how has that been for you? Yeah, um, I think honestly, it's been, uh, it goes uh, through ebbs and flows, right? That there are times where um, when we're first dealing with the virus, I'm like, man, this is in God's hands. I know it's in his hands. I know he is sovereign over all. And I can cling to that truth. So no matter what I'm hearing, no matter what maybe my friends are talking about or whatnot, I can rest and have peace that God is in control. Um, kind of more towards the end of the virus, you know, I think that First John has been really key um, in this, you know, uh, talking about loving your brother. I also look at like Acts 6, um, just in taking care of the widows. Um, those have been the passages that I've been gleaning from to see like, how do you want me to respond to this, Lord? And how should we respond as a generation? Yeah, and I think it's good that you're looking at scriptures that help us to not only understand where we're at in our current moment, how we should live right now, but also the promise of the hope of what is to come, that this world is not our ultimate home and that this chapter in church and human history isn't the final chapter. We, we still have a conquering king who is to come that will make all things new. And I do hold on to that hope. You know, Denzel, one of the things that marks not only millennials, but even more Gen Z is the reality of anxiety. Just the, the anxiety that comes along with you know, growing up in a time where there's been global terror, where there's been school shootings, there's been protests, it seems like, from gun violence to now racial unrest. How have you kind of navigated that and maintained your peace and your hopefulness in these kind of crazy times? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I still don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know is my honest uh, answer because it is, it's never ending. It's always something, one thing after another. And just, uh, it's, it's encouraging though, through all of this to just see, uh, just, you know, just speaking racially right now for a moment is that, you know, I'm in an interracial marriage. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm still trying to figure out like, God, what could I be doing more? I'm working Working in an urban city, I'm in an interracial marriage, and you know where do I stand? You know, like so, it's just really weird. And so, but the encouraging thing is just looking around and just knowing it's the hope uh, that we have in Christ that you yeah. just mentioned. And yeah. so, uh, I think a part of it for me personally is just uh, relying in Christ. Yeah. That's all I can do because I still don't know where I'm fitting into anything during this season uh, personally. And it's just encouraging when when I don't know, he does. And we know the end. We know the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And so with all of that, it's helping me all the more uh, try to dig deeper on my own level and my own marriage and things like that. So uh, it's really encouraging and it's helping me um, in so many different ways uh, as well. You know, and trying to help anybody else who desires to ask and things like that. Uh, uh, John Morales, uh, shout out to Pastor John uh, had a small group reach out to me and just wanted to talk about that. And so, you know, it's really encouraging to not only know that uh, as a black man for myself, I don't know. Yes. 
but also to have people within our congregation and our church to say, hey, we don't know. Can you can you just talk to us? And I'm like, yeah, let's sit down. We don't know together, but we can figure it out. So I, I just love that. You know, we don't know, but we know what we know of Christ and the hope we have in him. Uh, but that that tagline of just learning and trying to get better and try to understand for our own lives as well. Those around us. You know, there's so many things I love about millennials, so many lessons I learn. And I think this whole thought of being liberated to say, I don't know, is actually pretty powerful. Uh, I think the older you get, the more you feel the pressure of having to say, I'm an expert. Let me just say, folks, there are no experts in pandemics. When you find one, please let me know. I love to follow their blogs. Uh, the reality is, is that we're all kind of navigating right now. And I think it's okay to be able to say, I don't know, but I know the one who does. And hopefully that drives us to press into our relationship with Christ even more. And what I hear you guys saying is that it's really important that we do hold on to that and what we do know to be sure about Jesus. Ellie, I would love for you to talk a little bit, moving from just our focus on scripture and our relationship with the Lord to community yeah. and how important it is to maintain those horizontal relationships. It's been tough yeah. this year with social distancing, physical distancing, but talk about how you've navigated friendships, community, relationships, and why that's important. Yeah, I think that um, it's been it's been weird, right? For people that are always on their phones, yeah. um, like we are, we're constantly texting or having a phone call. Um, most of the times it's, hey, let's hang out, or hey, let's do this, or hey, what are you doing today? Um, and now everybody's been doing almost the same thing, right? We've, I've been at home, I've, I've been I've been working, and so this has been a season where it's like, hey, like how are you doing spiritually? Um, how are you doing emotionally? Like, are you okay? Are you struggling? Um, you know, and and shifting from focusing on everything that's like highlighted every day in media, in the media, right? Because you have, whether it's the coronavirus or racial injustice or another hot topic, it's something that um, we're being fed over and over and over again. And so having conversations with people, it's almost like we're, we can talk about that, yeah. but on t besides that or on top of that, yes. how, else, how else are you doing? Uh, Zoom calls uh, kind of after a month or two months in, you know, you're like, Zoom fatigue is real. Yeah, is. <laughs> Man, everybody's like tapped out from that. So um, a lot more uh, intentional conversation through text messages. Groups have been a little bit harder for people, yeah. um, you know, because uh, no matter what platform you use, it's really only one person can talk at, at a time. You know, so that's been a little bit harder, but it's been more intentional questions. I'm um, a lot more prayer for one another as well. Just like, hey, are you affected by this? Have you lost your job? How is your family? It's developed a broader, more intimate setting within the group. So I think that's been awesome. You know, I remember when my father passed away, um, my tendency was to kind of uh, go internal, right? To just kind of isolate, sit by myself. And I remember my mother-in-law during that season, doing some things that annoyed me at the time, but I saw was powerful, where she would say, what are you thinking? And would really press me to process out loud my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I felt like I just want to be left alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I saw the power of processing. I do think there are pros and cons to technology, right? Yeah. So obviously, the, the connectivity is great, but the isolation is real. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I just would say that it's, going back to Denzel's comment, I don't know, it's really important to process with people, in particular people of like precious faith.
where we can together say, what is the Lord showing you in this season? And here's what he's showing me. And together we can get a fuller glimpse of what God is saying and doing. So for those who like to isolate, it's important. Yeah, you need time to retreat, but it's important to press into relationships. Uh, Taylor, uh, one of the titles of this generation has been the justice generation. Mm -hmm. There's a fight on every front for justice, from educational justice to economic justice to, in our current conversation, racial justice. How have you processed all of that? Because I will simply say, as a pastor, I feel like I live in the land of in-between, in-between uh, too much and not enough. Mm -hmm. When I talk to some of our older members of our church family, there's a sense of, man, this is too much, mm -hmm. too much conversation, too much focus on justice. When I talk to some of our younger members, it's like, we're not doing enough. We need to do more. How have you processed that? You know, I've, I don't know if you have done the Enneagram or you're on the Enneagram yeah, train have, or what. I'm not a fanatic. I'm not a fanatic. I'll give mine away because okay. I'm an eight. I'm a challenger. And one of my defining attributes as my personality, and I've known this since I was a child, I deeply desire justice yes. for my friends, for my family, for people around me. It Which kind is of, a good thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's something that, that has been a part of my life since yeah. I was, you know, a child. Yeah. I was the kid that would fight for the other kid in the playground if they were getting bullied. My mom would always say to me, if they're bullying you, they're not bullying somebody else. Yeah. So I always wanted to be the one taking that. And for yeah. me, you know, with the current climate, it's tough because just transparently being a white person that kind of grew up upper middle class, I don't have a lot of the stories, um, you know, the walks through life that, you know, either you, you two would have or you would have yeah. um, or any of my other friends that aren't like me. Yeah. Um, and so this season for me has been a lot of listening, a lot of turning to God and, and seeking um, what he would have me say and do. But I, I find myself in a lot of positions, like you were saying, you know, working in the church, you kind of have to um, play that line mm. of, you know, am I being passionate enough? Am I not being, yeah. am I being too passionate? And I think for me, I definitely lean to too passionate. Yes. Um, but God's given me a lot of great people around me to kind of um, give, help me with my tact mm -hmm. <laughs> because I'm very quick to speak and slow to listen. And I think in this season, you know, whether you go back a couple years when Woodside, um, you know, started getting into um, helping fight human trafficking and, yeah. and justice in that area. And even till now, I think our generation has always been We've grown up in this desire to seek justice for the people around us. And I attribute that a lot to the boomers and the, and the Gen Y yeah. because they're the people who raised us. Yes. And they're the people who looked at us and said, you can fix this. You're the generation to do this. And even now, that's the temperament. That's what we're hearing. We're here. I mean, the president at the beginning of the coronavirus came on and said, the millennials are going to be the ones to get us through this. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know about anybody else at this table, but that rang true to me. I'm like, yeah, we're going to flatten the curve. We're going to yeah. kick this coronavirus. Yeah. And I think we have that passion about a lot of things. And, and I'm seeing that in that that's just consistent across the community that, that Ellie and I get the chance to work with. And I'm sure you see it too at Pontiac. Um, with the millennials there, it's just, it's ingrained in us yeah. and we fight for that. So, so justice then becomes a very important aspect of your faith. Absolutely. You know, it's really interesting because I think when you study the history of theology, 
certain seasons, there were doctrines that were more amplified uh, during that season. Obviously, during the Reformation, the doctrine of justification was really prominent uh, during that time. It seems like during this time, there's a resurgence of anthropology, Christian anthropology. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be an image bearer? What does it mean for me to uh, defend my brother? What is my obligation to the other? And I don't think that we should see that as a deviation from orthodoxy. I think we should see that as helping to balance our orthodoxy with our orthopraxis. Mm -hmm. Are we living out what we say? Because one of the things I will say that I've encountered with your generation is this press for being authentic. Mm -hmm. Are you not just preaching what's right, but living out what's right? Uh, Denzel, here's what I would love to ask you is, obviously justice brings with it a lot of emotion. Uh, There are a lot of voices vying for what that should look like. Um, How do you keep from deviating from the gospel in your quest to see justice? We should be crying out against what is wrong and broken in our world, but we have to stay rooted and grounded in scripture and not give in to false philosophies that will steal us away from Jesus. So how do you guard your heart in that? Yeah, I think uh, one of the key things that we have to do um, in just this season for any of us is, is listen. Right. And then through listening, we engage and in engaging, we act. And I think if we take necessary steps like that, we listen to what's going on around us. We engage kind of like you said your mother-in-law did for you in the season. Um, and then we act it out. And I think our action has to be through our listening and engaging. Therefore, it can be rooted in Christ Jesus. Yes. And therefore, we could, you know, everything can be uh, based off of, you know, the root of Jesus, you know, yes. all that he's come to do, all the justification that will come through his His reign and all of this. So if we tune in uh, to the television yes. today, we can literally see, uh, I, I don't want to speak for the world because I can't, yes. uh, but we see reactions. We see yes. all of that. And I think if we get to this simplicity of just listening to one another on both sides of the table, yes. engaging with them, like, hey, where are you? How do you feel about this? Where are you at on this and that? And then we act. And how do we act it out? We act it out through our faith. We just act it out through love. And what we know uh, is the thing that just brings everybody together through unity. And I just think it's the it's the voice, it's the thing, it's the heartbeat that our world needs today is that we just need to listen, we need to engage, and then we need to act. And once we start acting, uh, after we do those necessary steps, I think we can see the gospel being fleshed out in so many, many different ways. And I feel like I can't speak for all Christians, but if we took this stance, I promise you the light would be uh, shining brighter for us today because it's, you know, we're, we're dimmed a little bit. So that's kind of what I would say to that. Just, you know, things that I've been doing and I'm trying to do. And then you get the, the, the smack on the hand because you're not doing something quick enough and things like that. But it's been helping me to just listen then engage and then act off of that solidarity and just listening and engaging and things like that. So, yeah, um, yeah. that's really good. And I think that this is a season where grace needs to be very prominent, even with ourselves. Like, it's easy for uh, me to give someone else grace, right? Sometimes the person I'm hardest on is myself. But again, as we're walking through uncharted territory, there are going to be times when we're following Christ and we may find that, man, I I missed a mark here. And that's what repentance is for, to be able to get back on track. As As I hear you say, listen, and we've kind of brought that up a couple of times, I think it's really important, too, to listen uh, with an ear that filters through the gospel, right? Okay, I'm hearing this. How does this filter through the gospel? But we should always have a theology that is maturing. Mm -hmm. 
We should always have a theology that is growing up. And Jesus was masterful through these parables that we've been studying uh, in our weekend services of challenging the assumption, you know, telling these stories in which on the front end you think, oh, I know where this is headed. Then that plot twist comes and we all end with egg on our faces as we realize, man, I thought I had it figured out, uh, but I didn't. You know, I would love to talk about parenting. Um, so, uh, Ellie, do you have kids? No, you no, don't? no kids. No kids. <laughs> no, no kids. No kids. All right. So let's just <laughs> let's just pretend for just a moment. Let's but, pretend. But here's a serious note: you may not have children, but you guys all work with either those who do, or you work with younger people. How are you helping younger gener- the younger generation, Gen Z, we refer to, process through this? I can go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that, um, like Taylor said before, at the beginning of the distinction, that you have um, the difference between millennials and Gen Z. Um, millennials didn't necessarily grow up with um, cell phones. Um, a lot of Gen Z did. And I think that we see the big distinguish, like a big distinguishment between those two. Um, and that's something that we're trying to actually navigate, especially during this season. Um, for Gen Z, are they just um, going after video games now and so engulfed in that? Um, is there screen time on their phone literally all day? Or is there things they're actually doing outside of that? Um, I think that personally, I even felt like probably a month into the, the pandemic, like, man, like I'm actually like feeling a little sad, um, you know, like just from staring at a screen so much and stuff. And it was a little bit colder at the beginning of all this, right? Um, so it's been ask, asking the question, like, what should I be doing right now? And then also I know that like Gen Z really does struggle with that even more than millennials do. Not to like dog them by any means, but to say like, man, this is really an issue. So checking up on them like, hey, once uh, some of the parameters uh, and boundaries got lifted during uh, the quarantine, like, hey, we can go outside for a walk. Do you want to meet up, uh, keep a safe distance, but go for a walk? Do you want to have that conversation? Interpersonal engagement with one another, just like having those things are so crucial um, because I think that, some of the studies show that anxiety, even in Gen Z and, and depression, yeah, is it's, it's spiking. Yeah. And so taking those steps to distinguish the two and actually take action is, is crucial. I was reading one health study that said that you can decrease anxiety by 50% if you cut off your cell phone an hour before you go to bed and read. Yeah. Just, just reading mm-hmm. changes things. Personal, interpersonal engagement with yeah. relationships is, is absolutely huge. All right, guys, there's a lot we could talk about, but I would love for you to kind of speak to your church family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor, if we gave you an audience of all of Woodside family, <laughs> um, I know you can't speak for everyone, but what would you want them to know yeah. about your generation and what's on your heart as you process through these mm-hmm. days? Wow. Well, I've, I mean, I've thought about this a lot. I've been in um, collective for almost eight years. So since the time I was 19, I've been raised as a millennial, but I've also had a lot of conversations with people who aren't, and they're making observations about, you know, me and and the people that I work with so closely. So I've had this question really around in my head for a long time. Um, but one of the things that I would love to just encourage church-wide millennial or not, um, Gen Z, Gen Y, whatever is, this passage in Micah 6, 8 that calls us to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. And I think that right now in the time that we're in, that's what we're really being called to do. And yes, we all, we all desire justice. And, and I think generally we can all say that this is something that should be achieved, you know, in our lifetime and something that our generation desires. But 
the rest of it's important too. And that um, no matter who you're talking to or what you're encountering, that you should be merciful to them. That's good. And, and your opinion is not, is not God's all the time. It should be. We should desire that. But, but I think a lot of millennials have this idea that our opinion is most important and loudest when really mm-hmm. we're called to be merciful and walk humbly. Mm-hmm. And, and the rest of that is just as important as, mm-hmm. as the first part of the verse. So that's kind of one thing I would say. The other thing I would encourage, um, you know, specifically the church outside of the millennials is, is empower us. Mm-hmm. Believe in us. Believe um, what we're taught to believe in ourselves. You know, a lot of us were raised by boomers and Gen Y, and we get that, like, you were all given, you know, participation medals, and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just ruined us. But yeah. really, like, I think that that belief in us yes. to be better is something that is a good thing, and it can be yes. harnessed for something yeah. good. And I would love to see the rest of the church just look at people like us and in leadership positions or not and say, hey, you have the ability to lead the church. I'm going to teach you how, like mentor us, teach us things we don't know, lead us in what you know with wisdom, but believe that we can do it too. I think, I think is what all of our hearts would say. Well, I just want you to know that I hear you and I think our church family does as well. Uh, Ellie, Denzel, Taylor, thank you so much for joining me. Ellie, can you pray uh, for millennials in particular, but for our church family as well? Yeah, I would love to. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for today. Um, Father, I pray that you be uh, with the church as a whole, Lord. I pray that you be with uh, the millennials, uh, Gen Z, Lord, just as uh, this time, this season um, in our lives is kind of crazy. But Father, may we hold fast. Um, Lord, to you. May we cling to you, God. May we, may we search the scriptures, Lord, to understand how to live out our faith in this season of life. Father, I pray um, that the, the people, the elders in the church, that the boomers, those that have raised us, Father, would they give us um, scripture and um, would they give us wisdom and discernment from your word, God, so that we may see what is happening in our culture, that we may stand firm on the word of God, but we also act in a way to reach those with the gospel and love and stand up for what is right according to your word. Um, Father, we love you so much, and we thank you again for today. It is in your son's name I ask these things. Amen. Amen. You guys are awesome. Woodside family, I just want to encourage you. We, we love you, and we have a tremendous amount of resources. If you are a millennial, we would love for you to engage. Now is the time not to isolate, but to come into community. So we have information uh, about Collective and our Postscript. You can find out more there. Also, at every one of our campuses, if you are Gen Z and you're a high schooler, we have what we call WAKE. And WAKE is a wonderful ministry for you to build community and relationships and to understand how to process the realities of the the world through the Word of God. Uh, For each one of you, just know that our campus pastors love you, and we hope to see you this weekend. God bless, and I can't wait to see you on the next edition of The Link. 